Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I'm sports editor Dan Diodano, along with our assistant sports editor, Will Kennedy. And we've got a lot of things to talk about this week. We've had some really great high school basketball games. We've had the Hope-Calvin rivalry. Uh, women's basketball for Hope is still ranked number one in the country. We had the college football championship game this week uh, and the close of the NFL season, all since we last did a podcast. So plenty of things to uh, to talk about, um, and we'll get right to, right to Hope Calvin. I mean, Will, I know you were covering the women's game, but uh, Hope, Hope Calvin, uh, there were fans. There were no fans last year in the abbreviated season in the one matchup, zero. So every dribble at Calvin's spacious Van Nord Arena had an echo last year. And uh, there were almost 3,000 people there last night. And it just, as a human being, I kind of forgot what that was like, even after all the years covering it, just because it's been so weird, uh, you know, the last couple of years with everything and situations changing week to week, day to day, even. Um, but it was very exciting, close game, uh, but the, the atmosphere was really, really outstanding. It was loud. It was crazy. I mean. The student section was nuts. Yeah, mo- they weren't all wearing their masks correctly. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, the, you know, that's, you can't expect that in a student section. You can't, unless you're really policing that, you can't. They all stayed in their spots, and uh, but they were loud and they were energetic. And I mean, that's same for, I'm not picking on Calvin students, Hope students, same thing with the masks. I'm not trying to like, this is this story, this is not a conversation about masks, <laughs> but but um, you know that having that group and that energy, both sides had packed student sections, and the energy was able to bounce back and forth as the action did, and that's it's been a long time since that that that's happened. Um, even even before it wasn't quite as uh, packed and energized. I think everybody was you know just so grateful that this game was being played they're like well we better go because who knows if we're going to get this again so um it was uh very exciting uh hope played very well um it was back and forth most of the game midway through the second half hope made a little run they had a couple of key turnovers and uh you know took a charge and a couple of big plays like that and then hit some threes and they uh they made their first 14 free throws of the game uh, until the last couple minutes, they ended up 19 of 21 from the free throw line, which is in a rivalry game. That's going to get it done in a close game. You gotta have that. I was, uh, they were about a minute away from being perfect at the line. And I was really hoping they were just cause that story would have been really good. I've never seen anybody have double digits perfect from the line in a rivalry game. <laughs> so, uh, but Evan Thomas and Clayton Dykehouse dictated the pace, especially, uh, Evan Thomas, he was able to, do a lot of things, even with, uh, you know, the Calvin defense keying on him. And uh, this was kind of an emergence game for him where we've kind of known that he's had the potential to, I mean, he's he's been great. Like, we've known he's been great. But in the pressure situations, he's, he's also been, you know, great. But to have this uh, in a rivalry, in a rivalry game when everybody's looking to him and him deliver, uh, this was a huge kind of statement that he uh, – He's in the argument, if not the front runner for the best player in the league uh, right now. And that's, uh, you know, that's a pretty cool thing. So they uh, they got it done defensively as they have all year. They've obviously when they've struggled, they've struggled to make shots. 
Um, and they had a few stretches of that in this game too, but it wasn't a ton. And part of the reason it wasn't a ton is because of all the free throws. When you're either cold shooting or not getting a lot of shots, if you can get a couple free throws here and there, it stops big runs from the other team because you're at least, you know, uh, if your defense is playing well and you're getting some free throws here and there, you're at least doing something uh, offensively productive. So uh, that was that was another big factor with the free throws. But it's just really, really fun game to watch. Eli Schoonville had another great game doing a lot of the dirty work. Um, he also got to throw down a baseline two-handed jam, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Noah Hedrick had one at the end that kind of was the exclamation point. Uh, you know, they were – but they were – making shots from everywhere they hit they hit a good number of threes but they also made a ton of free throws and scored in the paint so if they could keep doing that they're gonna this is gonna be a much better this is already a much better season for them at three and oh in the miaa than people predicted um the the league predicted trying to win pretty handily and they beat trying on monday and then beat calvin on wednesday and uh, they're three and oh alone in first place and they these three wins have been without multiple starters because of things. Uh, they were without Tyler George the last two games because of a foot injury. Um, they were without uh, Tanner Wiegerink the last two games because of COVID protocols. The first two of the three, Jeff Bikus was out with COVID protocols. These are three starters. Uh, so for them to be doing this uh, and tr- and – the other teams that they have played, Calvin did not. All of Calvin's best players played. Trine's leading score in the MIAA played. You know, it's not like they were behind and other teams were behind. They're, they're doing this with, you know, three starters down, basically. I mean, they've had six guys kind of start. Lil just starts when they go small and ahead of Uyghur Inc. Um, you know, so they, they kind of have six guys who have started multiple games. But still... Um, that's that's a ton that's a ton of depth lost and a ton of scoring lost um and it's it's been amazing to see them the guys like jackson halbert and tj mckenzie and some of these guys step up into those into those either starting spots or more uh more playing time spots and uh and and get it done because you know they the whole thing with hope last year is the same thing they were really good at defense they had struck when they didn't hit the three they struggled to score and now they're finding ways to score, and it's uh, and they're doing it without some of their best players in the lineup, which is uh, you know, a really good sign moving forward. So it was a very impressive uh, performance by Hope, especially on the road in that raucous environment, and uh, you know, getting it done on both ends of the floor. So it was uh, it was quite the spectacle. Back to uh, the Hope Calvin rivalry normalcy of three thousand people screaming at the top of their lungs. That was definitely definitely a lot of fun, real loud. So um, back in Holland, the Hope women's team, they won uh, again. That was their 57th consecutive game, which is it's, it's getting to that point where it's like so mind, but the number is so high. I just can't really put that into perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, they had been off because they had had a few games, a couple games postponed because of COVID protocols, but uh, uh, didn't seem like they missed a beat. Well, no, they had only played two games since. December 18th. They played December 18th and December 29th, I believe, and they haven't played since. Um, they only had two days of practice in the year 2022. Um, they had a game. They had one day of practice when they got back from Florida, which was they went on a spring or their holiday break trip. Um, and then 
a few people tested positive for COVID and they had to shut the program down for a little bit and, and postpone a couple of games um, out of an abundance of caution. And so they only hit the court again Monday for the first time in like two weeks. And uh, on that Monday, they practiced Monday, they practiced Tuesday, and then they went out last night and beat Adrian 100 to 53. Um, and it wasn't even that close. I mean, they had the third unit in the game with five minutes left in the second quarter. They were up big. I mean, just standard Hope College women's basketball stuff. You expected there to be some rust, but there really wasn't. Um, maybe on defense in the first five minutes, it took them a little bit, a bit to get back in their defensive system. But, I mean, they forced 18 turnovers in the first half. I think they finished the night with, like, 24. Um, so, I mean, they they were fine. They n- nothing Nothing's going to slow them down, it doesn't seem. Um, they, they have a quick turnaround they play again tonight at Alma on the road, and Alma has one of their better teams they've had in a few years. Um, just based on what I've read about them and what coach Morehouse tells me. Um, and then they play Albion back at uh, hope on in, in Holland on a Saturday afternoon. And that, that might be a tough game. Albion's 13 and two. So they're, they're a very good team this year. Um, yeah. They barely lost to Trine, who obviously is a very good team as well. Um, so that, that'll be a fun, that'll be a fun matchup on Saturday afternoon. Um, hopefully you, you were talking about the Calvin uh, hope Calvin game, how it's so raucous and everything. I've already got to experience a Hope Calvin game at DeVos for the women's side. And it, it, it frustrates me. Maybe it's because it's, it's, it's boring because they know they're going to win, but just nobody comes to the women's games and, and they deserve so much better than that. I feel like it's, they have a core core group of maybe a few hundred people who are showing up to every game and God love them. But this team deserves so much more recognition than what they get from the, the fans and the students there. Right. And I'm glad that on Saturdays they're starting to have either uh, you know, have it both games at home, you know, where they're either, they're either doing the three, five, three and five or three and seven thirty because you can't, you can't have the excuse that, Oh, I went to go to the other game, you know, or whatever. Now, last night, the excuse to go to the other game, other game was a, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> to go to the men's game, we're going to you know. win by a lot. Yes. Right. But yeah, so I, I just mean in terms been, of, I've seen a hope. No, it's been an issue. It's been an issue like, over the years where, there's uh, yeah their student section doesn't seem to rise to the level of the team i mean this is the number one the clear number one team in the country for three years yeah they're great they could just they could i don't want to say easily but they could definitely win a national championship this year yes and they still draw really really well but it's the same people and a lot of the a lot of the older alumni it's they go they go where if wherever there's a game home at home game They'll go to the home game, whoever's playing home. And, and I'm, I'm not saying – I'm sure they have – Just everybody the, else. I'm sure they have some of the highest attendance in the MIAA in terms of women's basketball. But but at the same time, like, if, if your team is the number one team in the country and right. you, you expect there to be a relatively full DeVos Fieldhouse every time they take the floor just because – I don't even like basketball, to be quite honest, but they're fun to watch. They're, yeah. I, I would never watch a basketball game for fun, but they are fun to watch. I enjoy yeah. watching them play because it's just and, sheer domination. And it's the students. If the students get into it. Now, the students were real well, real good when Hope and Calvin, both the women's teams, were real good. Yeah. Um, so that that plays into it a little bit. But the Calvin women haven't been great the last couple of years. And, you know, they just – I feel like, especially with COVID, too, they just got out of the habit of going. So – um hopefully that down the road especially if when they play trying again and yeah. uh you know get into the tournament and stuff you got um some home games because i'm guessing unless something crazy happens they're going to host the first two rounds and yeah. they might even host the next two 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, so, it's probably all going to come down to the Albion, the two Albion games, and the and the one Trine game remaining is, is probably what's going to determine that. And they got Albion obviously this Sunday, Saturday, and then they got Trine I think in a week and a half or so. And then I'm not sure when they go on the road to Albion, but right. Uh, so it's uh, shortly. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's 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 a fair point. I mean, this is uh, you know, this is something that should be you know, celebrated. And I feel like you have this the same alumni that are there at every game, which is awesome. Um, and I feel like you have the groups of high school girls teams that come, you know, they kind of wrote, they, they don't come into every game, but you know, there's usually a handful of teams that come and then there's usually like that first row or two of students and that's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that definitely should be a packed student section. So, um, Maybe it's some so people are so listening to this podcast know. and they'll want to jump in there. It, it's so so minimal that I don't even know where the student section is supposed to be at, at DeVos. I don't know if there is a sanctioned student section because they just there don't is. Up. Yeah, yeah. See, well, I don't that, know where it is. That's telling. That is definitely telling. So it's yeah, it's across from you under the flag. Okay, the, the benches just, that go all the way down. That just yeah, like a, a random smattering of of fans of all ages. So I couldn't tell it was right the student section. Right. So we'll see. Maybe that'll pick up as, as this get as they get closer to the postseason, you know, and Hopefully. everything. Cause because yeah. obviously we're we're objective and we don't root for our teams, but this team deserves it, man. They they deserve so much. They deserve they deserve the crowd. That's absolutely yeah. absolutely true. Now the men's crowds haven't been great either. Um, so it's not like there's a huge despair. I mean, there was last night because it was Calvin, but um, so it's just I I'm hoping that students returning now and just kind of getting into the flow a little bit more. We'll start going to games. And I think these Saturdays where both games are The one doubleheader I went to, the women's game was first. And I don't remember who they played. I think it was Kalamazoo. And they won by like 80 or something absurd like that. And the Mm -hmm. men played after in the late afternoon, early evening. And they played the number four team in the country. And in between games, the crowd got huge. But I mean, to some extent, it's understandable. Kalamazoo is a at least recently, a bottom feeder at MIAA. You kind of know right. what's going to happen there. And playing the right. number four team in the country is going to garner buzz regardless of, of who it is. Right, for sure. For so. sure. And those were back-to-back. Sometimes it's that's harder, too. I kind of like this Saturday they have a 3 o'clock and then a 7.30. So it's yeah, like JV go to team. one game, go home, get or go get something to eat, enjoy, and then come back again. Yeah. Um, that might that might help. It might not. I don't know. But it's like I think it's hard to sit and watch two games back-to-back. Yeah, probably um, is. Uh, I mean, I got paid to do it, so I did it. But um, right, right. I don't know if I <laughs> right. used to do it unless it's well, like, and right now. There's no concession either. Yeah, they um, closes down. I noticed last night. I was so, so I like the split for that. So you can just, you know, everybody can go get dinner and then come back and watch another game. Yeah, um, we kind of reset, recharge. But uh, yeah, just interesting how that how that works out. And like I said, when Calvin's been really good, the hope the w- women's crowds at DeVos have been. Good, really good for those games, but uh, yeah, I always feel like it should be more, so we'll see how that goes the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, high school basketball, they are getting pretty decent crowds, um, and our uh, our teams are doing pretty well. It's interesting on the boys' side, we've got I feel like all of our local teams are pretty equal. I would say um, so. and, we haven't which seen is, Hampton yet, so we don't know about that, but I think right. we've seen every other team well, they, they beat, this week, right? And Hamilton beat West Catholic. Okay. Um, on a buzzer beater, and then West Catholic beat Holland Christian by like twenty. So I don't know what that was. I'm sure Hamilton's. I know Hamilton's would be considered an upset, but still. So that I, 
that kind of still levels the playing field a little bit. I'm not really sure what to make of any of it. Um, yeah, it's it's all sort of. But anybody can beat anybody. It's nice that we don't have any bad teams. That's definitely. I, that's definitely nice. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I would say that the 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 largest. I mean, some schools are still struggling a little bit, but even even schools like last year that that really really struggled, like Sagatuck. I mean, they're playing significantly better this year. They're, they they right. might not be an above 500 team when all is said and done, but I think they only won like two games last year, and they've already right. They're they're much that. improved. They're certainly probably similar to how they were last year. It seems like Hamilton's improved. Holland Christian's improved. West Ottawa's improved. Holland's definitely improved. Zealand West has improved. I would say Zealand East, there's nowhere to go but down. Yeah, from they, last they, year they, when there's they were not a, there's not a much to improve that's on. That's not that. that's not the fault of anybody playing or coaching. That's just how just, nature just works just when you have a six seniors lead you to a nine and nineteen and one season. Yeah. Um, but they're they're not by no means a bad team either. No, they're um, just getting some tough draws and and you know it's and they're in a tough conference. Lack of experience so. from because the, because their players aren't necessarily young. There's there's a bunch of seniors, a bunch of juniors. They just don't have the experience because they had six guys play deep. They had six guys deep for the past what two three years before before. For they, sure. So they just don't have sure. experience. Yep. And then uh, they and Holland beat Zealand East on Friday, and the yep. Holland girls also beat Zealand East on Friday. It's the first time since the Zealand split that Holland has. I'm pretty sure that they've won both in the same day at least. Yeah. Um, I know they've both one at times i think uh but uh really really big deal uh big win for the boys for sure as they uh you know they had some close tough ones with holland christian and west ottawa and you know everything and they're hanging in there um but uh for the girls even though zealand east is winless as so far this year in the girls side they've got the best peer shooter in the area in uh maddie sure yeah and uh they were able to, I mean, I think she had six points, you know, whatever. And teams, the teams are figuring out how to guard her. And yeah. other people need, other people need to score is really what, where they're at. But Holland, you know, they were down 13, four to start that game. And it looked like they were going to get bowled over. And then they turned it around and then took it to Zealand East for the last three quarters. And, yeah. uh, you know, played very, very well. So this is a huge start for them. They're six and one, the Holland girls. Um, I mean, I can only remember, I, I think there's only one, one or two times in the past 20 years that they've won six games at all. Um, well, Holland girls in the past three years combined, they've only won six games and now they're six and one. Right. And and they had one, they had one year where they were like 11 and nine or nine and 11 or 10 and 10, something like that okay. um, about 10 years ago or something like that. And they've had a couple, then they went on a streak where they went like three, four years where they didn't win a single game. Yeah. Three years maybe. And then they won a game, which was huge, but then they all that year, they think they won five. I don't think they, I think they, it wasn't just like they won one, they won five. And then they won similar the next year. Then they had a couple years again where they were, you know, two and 18 or one and 19, something like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, based in, in my research and, and just going on the MHSAA archives as far back as they have the archives, um, I think it's only like maybe 10 or 15 years. They've never had a six and one start in that span. Like never. Right. For sure. And that's huge. And it's not just, I know they're in a different league this year, but it's, that's not because it's a weak league. I mean, oh. Zealand. Zealand East has the best shooter in the area. Zealand West 
they haven't played yet, but Zealand West has Zealand a West lot of talent. Good, good players. Uh, Mes- you know, cool. Muskegon, I mean, the, you've got teams with talent. They've also, I mean, they lost to Holland Christian. Um, a very good team as well. Right, right. I mean, the, this is not, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not just beating a bunch of teams that are, you know, glorified JV teams or something yeah. like that. They're beat, they're beating decent teams yeah. um, and they're playing well. That's the, that's the difference. And that's, I mean, I only remember that one year, like I said, where they were like nine and 11 or eight and 11 or 10 and 10, whatever it was around, they were near close to 500. They had a girl on their team, Allison Scudder, who was a really good player. They had a couple other really good players too, but she was like a basketball first player. Mm-hmm. And since then, they have not had many of those. They've had a lot of really good athletes who were soccer players that also played basketball, or even a couple swimmers that also played basketball, or what have you, and tennis players, volleyball players, whatever. But there were very, there's been very few people who have been basketball first, and they've got several basketball first players on the team this year, and it's showing because yeah. for for a long time you saw the athleticism in them. They could at times they had decent defensive teams they just couldn't get the ball in the basket and now they've got a lot of kids that can get the ball in the basket and it's showing so that's very exciting i'm very um, intrigued to see what's going to happen next year it just i mean because quite frankly the entire roster is seniors so it, it's it's good well, they got very, two juniors playing now too oh they brought two juniors up yeah and when, they've been so when playing i, too, when I so. saw them against holland christian the entire roster was seniors yeah um, i think it's because i think they started carrying them because of covid stuff Okay, that makes um, sense. Because they had a couple of players out. But still, you know, the fact remains, if you have an entire roster of seniors and only two juniors, it's still going to be interesting to see what happens last year, if that sort of program mentality can sort of uh, survive a massive uh, loss of, of 10, 15 uh, girls. Absolutely. So that, that'll be interesting to find out. And obviously, enjoy the ride and have fun while it lasts this year, but it's, it's a question for down the line, seeing what happens with Holland uh, in the coming years. So that, For sure, for sure. For sure. And an interesting thing, too, also is that they they usually play West Ottawa. They're not playing West Ottawa this year. And West Ottawa is 7-0. Oh, the uh, really they're good. playing great. Uh, they beat a close game against Holland Christian, uh, a similar style team, which kept the, you know, the pace down. They won by a couple of points. Um, but, I mean, Gabby Reynolds has emerged as one of the best players in West Michigan as a sophomore. Um, and it's not just her. Their whole team, the rest of the team is all – uh, not the rest of the team, but the the next, the other four starters and the six man or six woman off the bench are all seniors, and they can all handle the ball and they all press. They do full court press, pressure defense. They uh, and they can all score in different ways. So you've got, you know, a lot of really good athletes. Couple basketball first, but a couple they got a volleyball first, soccer first on there, you know. But they they can all handle the ball. Yeah, and so they can throw out this full court press and just wreak havoc on teams, score a bunch in transition, and then take a break from it. And they don't turn the ball over very much because, like I said, they can all handle the ball. Um, all five, six, seven, eight people that come in. So it's not a. Um, there's never an issue the other way. You know, sometimes when you're playing at that fa- fast a pace you end up turning the ball over a bunch too, even though you're forcing a lot of turnovers from the other team, then that's not what happens. Uh, at least not so far. So that's, uh, you know, that has uh, led them to an undefeated record so far. Uh, they've knocked off Grand Haven and East Kentwood, which are two perennial okay red powerhouse teams that are, you know, a little down from 
his, where they've been historically, but still huge, huge games. But obviously there's huge things lingering for them too. Uh, Hudsonville is a uh, defending state uh, final state champion, I think. Um, and uh, they almost beat them in the districts last year. They had them on the ropes. They were ahead with like a minute and a half to go. Yeah. Um, so that'll, those, they'll have two games against Hudsonville, two games against Rockford. Rockford is also a team that will probably be ranked before the year is out as well. Um, and obviously West Ottawa could be ranked too. So you've got three possible ranked teams in the same conference, um, which is very exciting. So those will be some huge games. So we'll see how they're going. I was kind of hoping that uh, they'd play Holland this year, especially sometimes they play at the end of the year, yeah. uh, you know, before districts. But a lot of times that's just the boys that do that too. But they, did, they didn't end up – they're not ended up on the schedule, which is a bummer because there's there would have never been a even, – even though West Ottawa would be favored to win pretty decently – there would have never been that hype of a girls game ahead of time, yeah, <laughs> which is, uh, which is, uh, which is too bad for the community just to not experience that kind of game in a year like this, because who knows when it'll happen again, you know, yeah. but uh, uh, they've both been playing very, very well. Um, the rest of the girls teams also are good. Holland Christian's good. Hamilton's good. Zealand West is good. Zealand East is struggling. If they can get some of their, they got some young players, if they get some young players to help with the scoring uh, to kind of, uh, free up Maddie so she's not being double triple teams yeah. you know all the time uh that will they they still have a bright future um ahead they've got a, the their leading score from the game I saw was uh uh Fenland and she's a freshman on the varsity team so uh the future's definitely there um yeah but uh Maddie's a senior and it'll, it'll you know this is her last go and she's uh she shoots well enough, and if they get some stuff, they could still be a team that you don't necessarily want to face in the postseason, um, especially if their defense plays well. So, um, but yeah, very interesting, very interesting. So, sure. um, but yeah, let's jump, let's switch gears here. We got a couple more things to talk about uh, this week. College football playoff. The college football season is over, and the NFL regular season is over. We'll start with the college playoff. Obviously, yeah, Georgia, yeah. Georgia knocked uh, Georgia knocked Alabama like off. Yep after getting handily beat in the sec championship game by alabama yep um very interesting turn of events and uh we send it now to our college football guru will kennedy uh will just what what did they do so much better well first off let me just say that i'm absolutely devastated college football season's over only about 229 (laughs) days until 2022 season begins so can't get here soon enough um but Georgia, I didn't get a chance to watch the SEC title game because I was covering a Hope game, um, Hope women's game at the time. But just based on what I saw and what I've read from in like highlights and, and, and stories after the fact, Georgia's defense just you know it wasn't playing like itself. And good lord, did it play like itself uh, on Monday night? Because sure. even the, I think they gave up forty-two points or something like that to Bryce Young and and the Alabama offense in the SEC title game. And uh, I don't remember the exact number they gave up, in, but it was 18, 20 something. 18, yeah, 18. But um, even including those two games, which are massive statistical outliers in, in their in their season, they still only gave up 10 points per game, which is just absurd considering they played an SEC schedule. Um, right. And had had Clemson in the out of conference to open up the season. So, right. like, so Clemson obviously wasn't Clemson this year, but like they still a team of five star athletes. It's still a team the you roster. expect to score more than 10 points. More than I mean, they held them to zero points. Um, right. Or maybe three. But yeah, still. Um, 
Yeah. So, so Georgia's defense, I mean, defense on both sides of the ball on both teams, honestly, was fantastic. It was, it was a really fun, exciting game. There was a defensive touchdown. I know how last week we talked about how I love offense, but when defense is like that and they're just flying around and so much, it's so much fun to watch. Like I had the, the ESPN broadcast view, like the traditional broadcast view on my TV. And then I had the all 22, the sky cam on my laptop on like a 15 second delay. So it was really like the play went and then I'd see like how the quarterback would see it. And it's just so much fun to see how much havoc these linebackers and defensive linemen wreaked on these quarterbacks and, 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 uh, and running backs at the line. It was just so much fun to watch. And, and also, I mean, Stetson Bennett is just probably one of the greatest stories in sports history. It's so, so interesting how he's, you know, born in Georgia. Um, always sort of touted as this kid who's like a game manager, not going to be that good. Went to Georgia as a preferred walk-on. Left because he wasn't going to get a scholarship or playing time. Went to some junior college for a year. Played decently well, but nothing amazing. Came back to Georgia because he got offered a scholarship. But even at the start of this year, he was like the fourth quarterback down on the depth chart. And he worked and worked and worked. And now he's a, a, a national champion quarterback. I mean, even in the first half of the game, it looked like he was playing horribly. And it's like, oh, this kid's going to get pulled for JT Daniels. He's the hot transfer from Washington. Who's going to come in and, 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 you know, save the day. But no, Stetson Bennett righted the ship and he, he, he played well when he needed to. And he threw some really good passes and, and he's a national title holder and, you know, good, good for him. He deserves it after all he's been through. And it's just, it's an incredible story. And I'm very happy for the kid. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it was a very exciting, exciting uh, finish to the football season, which was yeah, it was very fun. Uh, it was quite exciting. Very good, very good college football game. It was va- basically a, a inherent opposite of what the two semifinals were, which is what you need in a in a title game when the two semifinals are absolute blowouts, one more than the other, but still right. Uh, and, and, and the crazy thing is, that I think the four best defenses, I don't know statistically, but just based on what I've seen out of all of them, the four best defenses in the country made the playoff. And two of those defenses were significantly better than the other two. And that showed. And then when the right. two defenses met again, it's just, it, it, it was, it was a great game. It was, a, it was a fantastic game, a perfect way to end the college football season. It ended about 2.30 a.m. It felt like um, right. super long, <laughs> but uh, yep. it, it was good. It was, it was a great game. Worth it to stay up late and watch some football for, one last time till early September. For sure. Unless you watch sure. the NFL and then you can have football all month long, but I don't do that. Right. Well, a lot of our fans from the area won't be nearly as keen on the NFL now that the regular season is over. The Lions are out of the se- out of it, which we expected. But they, yeah. you know, they they had a couple of moments. I mean, they still and I know we talked about this earlier in the year. They're still nowhere near as bad as their record was. Um, no, they 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 lost a lot of really close games early in the year. And I'm I'm a I think I've said this before. I kind of made fun of him a little bit when he first got hired, but I really like Dan Campbell as a coach. Yeah. I mean, he's he's you can tell his guys want to play for him, and he's like creating a culture there that that's that seems at least to be good and trending things in the right direction. And uh you know, I, they definitely have some roster development to go through, but there's been some sparks like uh, Penny Sewell has been, been pretty good um, on the on the left tackle spot. I think left tackle um, right. on the offensive line, at least. Um, and then Amon Ross St. Brown, rookie wide right receiver. He really finished the season strong in the last four or five weeks. Um, uh, wide receiver out of USC. He, he's definitely going to be a bright spot. Um, DeAndre Swift, I believe, is, is, you know, he's hurt the last few weeks, but but he's still a guy who you can be excited about. He's a little older, but still, you know, had a really productive career at Georgia and has shown glimpses of what he can be. Um, 
and plus he's a veteran, so he knows leagues a little bit now. Still need a quarterback. Still need some some overhauling on the defensive end for sure. Um, but things are definitely better now than they were a year ago. I would say. For sure, for sure. And then, uh, that, I mean, I think everybody's. I mean, usually a, a record like this, everybody's like, "Oh, the Lions." But I think you're seeing, especially because you saw some some spark and fire at the end yeah. of the season. There's an optimism and, in there, and there should be. And there should be, and they you know, they have some momentum to, to, to go with and they're going to get a high draft pick and that's going to be hopefully something that they do. They pick the right person. And I think, that they, will... I think they're second overall, I think. Is yeah. Cause the Jags are number one. Right. And that's, I mean, that's going to get them, you know, hopefully somebody that could be a franchise kind of player. And, and, and that's um, just the, the, of the optimism we're talking about. I think the lions won what one more game than Jacksonville, but that's just the juxtaposition of two franchises where, the Lions fan base, there is some optimism there, and you can tell something's building, whereas the Jags fan base is like, oh, my God, this is just an absolute dumpster fire. Please end it now. Right, right. And, I, I mean, I, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a fair point. I mean, you'd think that – I mean, like we said, the Lions were so close. They were they were very – I mean, they they legitimately – I mean, they weren't going to be a playoff team, but they legitimately could have been like a 7-9 and nine team. Yeah, I mean, they should have at least won probably about five games. What they went end up winning three, I think. Three, yeah. They could have won five to six games quite easily. Um, right, because there but, were some very close ones. Um, but yeah, just the I I have felt. I mean, this is the first time I've felt real optimism about the Lions since they fired Caldwell, which is the biggest mistake they've made in the last two decades. Right, there's been plenty of mistakes to choose from. That was too. the biggest one, though. Yes, absolutely um, was. Um, uh, so, Caldwell might be was, getting head coaching looks now, though, which is nice. Yeah, um, it just I mean, took two. It took a while to get back he, to somebody. He absolutely deserves it. Yeah. So that's going to be. I th- I like uh, the his style of coaching. I feel like they they need that kind of like emotional coach. He's a player's um, think, coach, if there ever was one. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh, I think that's what they need. Yeah, and um, he's young too, relatively young at least. Right, head coaching. Um, right, and the thing about the emotional coach too is that you get you get the positive emotions, but you get a lot of negative emotion too. But at the same time, you get positive emotion from your coach, like in a one-on-one style, for something you do well. It doesn't mean yeah. it has to be a victory. Like he's he like those kind of coaches connect with players. And that, yeah. in the long run, is huge. Because at the end of the day, he's a real human being. He's not some robot. I, obviously, the best two best coaches of all time, whether it be college or pro, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, are very robotic in their mannerisms. Um, right. But I think that's sort of phasing out in football. I mean, obviously, Nick Saban is, is fantastic, but he's 70 years old. He's not going to be around mm-hmm. much longer. Bill Belichick, older guy, not going to be around a ton longer. These youthful coaches that are really kind of powering the game and, and where it's going in the future – are all those kind of emotional guys like Sean McVay? Right. Um, they scored a touchdown in the end uh, in the Rams this week. He ran all the way down the sideline and celebrated with his guys in the end zone. Was jo- jumping on top of him like that's the sort of right. energy you need as as a young head coach, whether it be right. college or pros. And that that's gonna right be- for sure. I mean, Penn State's coach is great at that. James Franklin, yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, like you 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 can see, but you can see when he took over and started getting all emotional about emotions driving things that that connects and that people respond to that. Like the, the coaches that you talk about being kind of robotic, you got to be real good which th- to get away with that because yeah. 
especially in this because year. if you can't connect, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying that they don't connect with their players because that's not what we're saying. But it just still there's a different vibe around them, and especially during games, there's a different vibe around them. Yeah, and I think that that's that's uh, you know, I think that's like you said, this is the way that coaches are are moving. Like I remember when the Steelers first hired uh, Mike Tomlin, and He's all he's a ton of emotion. Now, he doesn't always talk a lot. Oh no, but he's but you can emotion. see it in his eyes, you can see it in his face, you can see it in you know he's in what he's doing. And I I mean Bill Cower before him was like that, kind of like that too. Yeah. But like that is an instance where they went from having Bill Cower with that Pittsburgh Steelers jaw of his, like yeah. they went from having somebody perfect for their franchise in Pittsburgh like their community to hiring another person that was perfect for their community and that is insane to me that any team could do that like that back-to-back um and I think that the Lions didn't have that they had it with Caldwell and then they didn't and then they've had it and then they didn't you know they have now they finally got it again it seems they have it again at least yes um for sure I mean obviously it's only one year but it seems to be trending in that direction um, for sure. But yeah, and, and I, I will say, I feel like as a robotic coach, you'd probably be able to get away with it more in the NFL than you would in college. Cause obviously Nick Saban sure. really comes across as that robotic guy. But if you see some like behind the scenes, you don't have stuff, to recruit anybody either. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but when you see sort of that behind the scenes stuff, uh, ESPN does, or just like random interviews with him or somebody like embedded themselves in the program for the day, the dude's kind of funny. He's, 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 he's kind of, he's not all just constantly, you know, hard a, uh, just, business specifically he's kind of funny and i think he's gotten that way more as he's gotten older um because if you watch like when the gatorade basket dumped on him every year at the end of the season it seems for the national title every year he seems to get a bit more happy um when right. it happens and even this year when he lost he went over and gave kirby smart who was a former assistant and like a big hug he's like you guys really kicked our butts in the fourth quarter i'm so happy for you guys and and like he's really just like if you watch the press conference from this loss you will see how much more gracious he has been in the past. And like, he's just a, a generally like happier guy. And I think he started right. realizing this, like either a, I'm my career's coming to an end, just enjoy every second I can, or B, if I want to keep winning, I got to show these kids that I'm an actual human being. I'm not just some robotic right. going to make your life miserable. Right. And especially for whenever, whenever he retires, he's going to want to be able to build something that he can pass off yeah. with somebody. And I think, I don't think that Bama uh, program's going anywhere once Nick Saban leaves, unless they make a catastrophically horrible hire. Um, (laughs) That's true. That's true. We'll see. Right. So uh, then on the flip side of other local fans uh, for the NFL, we've got the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. Uh, It was a really odd season for them. I mean, obviously, you know, Cousins was kind of surrounded with the whole vaccination issue, which – you know, it's it's its own issue. I mean, he obviously got a positive test at some point in the season and had to sit out a game. I he, um, yeah, I think he only had to sit out one game for that, right? Right, yeah. and that was later in the season too. But like, sit out the for the most part, it, it, this is like the hard situation of with where everything is. Obviously, we've got the whole thing going on with Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open and stuff like that. When you're talking about traveling internationally and all this kind of stuff, Cousins made it very clear from the beginning that he was not going to get it. So unlike Rogers and had that whole mess too, that was a mess. That was a mess. So people knew where he was stood on that issue specifically, but he also said from the very beginning and, you know, did the same thing last year, he's going to follow every rule. Yeah. 
and he did to my knowledge he followed every rule yeah that's um, and and that's that's that makes it such a different situation whether you agree with it or not he followed every rule he's honest about it and doing and he's and he yeah. yeah and i think i know it frustrated a lot of his teammates and his coach now former coach mike zimmer that uh that he wasn't vaccinated but it in the end it's hard i mean it is his choice i'm not gonna sit here uh telling people what they should be doing in in regards to that because that's honestly uh it's not my place to do so i yeah. mean that's not uh, that's you know but if you're gonna be if you're gonna be unvaccinated i will tell you i will say this if you're gonna be unvaccinated you gotta follow the rules yeah the protocols are in place for a reason that's why they're there. And it's, like I said, it seems there's nothing t- that I've heard that seems that he didn't follow the rules. It was just people being frustrated with the fact that he wasn't vaccinated or whatever. And, you know, the second he got a test, you know, in the protocols, he was away from everybody and did, you know, what he was supposed to do. Yep. Um, would it have been easier if he was vaccinated? Possibly. But now we're seeing with the Omicron that people who are vaccinated yeah, are just yeah. as likely to get it. I mean, Hope had to shut down for two weeks, and the entire team's vaccinated. They were all vaccinated from last the, year. The I mean, like of them are boosted from from what right. Tells me. So, so if, and that's and that's an, uh, just even another issue when you talk about the Omicron is that it seems like it's going to be more prevalent, but it's not as severe. And experts are hoping that that means it's going to wipe out the pandemic state of this virus because so many people are going to get it, but it's going to be so minimal or minimal. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Uh, that people, uh, that everybody builds up antibodies to it, and that's kind of how it goes. Uh, did not want to see that happening at the beginning of the pandemic because it would have not been light on people, um, even even at the beginning of the vaccine. Um, so, that, all right. So, so that issue aside, it was still even if you take all of that away, it was still an odd year for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. It was extraordinarily inconsistent. It, it just right. one week he, he lit the world on fire. The next week he threw like 17 interceptions and no touchdowns. It was right. It, it was it was. I mean, obviously that's hyperbole, but um, still a very strange season. Like very inconsistent. Couldn't do thing. Couldn't do anything well or poorly for more than two weeks in a row. It seemed he just kind of flip flopped back and forth, um, which is weird because he has some good receivers on his team too, and he has some good players. Um, you know, that's, maybe that's why Coach Mike Zimmer got fired. Um, and their right. team got fired. So obviously a new regime going to come in place. Um, and maybe they can sort of fix that and, and game plan better so that Kirk Cousins isn't hung out to dry if Kirk Cousins even hangs around in Minnesota. Um, right. So there's there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, right. It's just, it was fans. just such a, such a strange year though, just for him. Like you said, I mean, like he, he still, uh, he still completed. 66 percent of his passes yeah like he'll have games where he's fantastic and then games where it's like oh man what the heck happened those fantastic games must have been really fantastic for him to still still end up netting a 66 percent i mean that's where he's at is for his career also 66 percent which is third among active quarterbacks yeah it's pretty good and that's i mean he he and that's only, but I mean, that's not, it's, he's really second because one of those people on this list for some reason is still Drew Brees. Um, if we're getting into uh, football, like specific, completion percentage is an extremely flawed stat to look at. Uh, oh, absolutely. Cause that uh, they could all be five yard passes. You know, there's plenty of things. There's plenty of things. I mean, he has, his quarterback rating was one Oh three, which was not as high as it's been the last two years, but not terribly lower. Uh, but again, it just goes to show you how great his great games were. And how mediocre his mediocre games were. And I don't see him 
I mean, I still see him as a starting quarterback in the league next year. I don't know if that's going to be with Minnesota or somebody else. He's got the poise, you know, of a you know of the big the stereotypical Big Ten quarterbacks who never didn't necessarily pass a ton in college, but then they get to the they get to the pros and they just know how to win, like Tom Brady. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is in that same level, obviously, um, but but he finds a lot of ways to win without the same physical gifts of some of the other quarterbacks. We'll just you know, say that I, I'm looking at his stats now. And I retract what I said about him having some really bad games. Cause he really hasn't. Um, there was a f- couple games where like his yardage total, like he threw for 87 yards against the bears, which is pretty bad. Um, but I also think it was like really windy that week and he threw for two touchdowns. So it's not all that. Right. Bad. He, had, he had seven picks this season, but they seem to come in like th- all of them were in three games or something like, yeah. So he only had one game with more than one interception. Um, but he had a streak of three weeks where he threw four, um, which is bad, especially considering it was four of the last five games of the season when you're trying to make a playoff push. Um, right. So that's it was an ideal timing, I would say, especially considering he came against pretty bad teams as well, um, except for the Rams. Right. The Rams were good. Um, right. The Steelers are a fraudulent playoff team. The Bears are obviously terrible. Um, the Rams are good. Uh, right. But – but yeah. it's it's just an odd season. Like how if you told me that Kirk Cousins was going to complete sixty six percent of his passing, have a over a hundred quarterback rating, only have seven interceptions, which he's only had one year as a full time starter where he's had lower than that. Yeah, in his whole career, last year he had thirteen. He had seven this year, and you're going to tell me they're you know they're going to be like an eight and eight team. Like yeah. I mean, I think when you have the 25th best defense in the NFL. That's going to happen, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess. Their defense was much better last year. Their defense is pretty bad this year. Um, but also, he, I mean, given the, the weapons he has around him and, and a Justin Jefferson and a Dalvin Cook, obviously Dalvin Cook went down with an injury, um, or even a Kyle Rudolph kind of player. Like, you expect maybe a slightly – maybe a top-10 offense. But, again, those guys are all getting up there in age, like Kirk Cousins is as well. So, like, 14th is, is probably what you would if – you, if you tell Viking fan at the beginning of the year – you know, the 14th best offense in the, in the NFL. Um, I think they'd probably sign up for that. Like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's, it's not as good as we had hoped, but it's also not going to kick us out of the playoffs. It's not going to make us impossible to make the playoffs. Our defense right. will carry us and their defense has just been horrible. Right. And so as weird as this for me to say too, this was his 10th year in the league. Yeah, he's been around a while, which is like not what I expected at all. When I looked at that, but yeah, this is like <laughs> this is his this could be his uh his last kind of crossroads like is he gonna do the vikings well, you know yeah that's the thing it, it all depends on who they are as coach and if if there have been reports out there obviously nothing solidified or anything but reports out there of lane kiffin making the jump to the pros and if that's the case you know he's going to want to jump and get his quarterback from old miss matt corral who's going to go in the draft so at that point, it might be Kirk Cousins' show for one more year, or they just might throw Matt Corral into the Lions and, and, and have him play. Obviously, that's a lot of ifs and a lot of hypotheticals, but that's the the firm things that I've been seeing in reports and stuff at this point, that old, uh, Lane Kiffin is a, a potential, a serious contender for the head coaching job out there. And if that's the case, then uh, I'm assuming he's going to want to get Matt Corral because they were prolific together at Ole Miss. Right, right. And I, I don't see, like I said, whether – the Vikings want him or not, I feel like he's got one more run with a team. You I'm know sure what I mean? He's got I mean, he's got another two, three-year period with somebody. Not yeah, because he's not like crazy old. He's not like no, no. And he's still and he's still 
a good quarterback. You know yeah, what I mean? He's still, it's not like he's, he's not you know, like, like I said, only seven picks and he's, you know, the other stats we talked about, he had 4,000 passing yards. And yeah, I mean, he's not like, he's not top tier quarterbacking, but he's not like low level quarterbacking either. No, he's, he's definitely upper middle of the pack, which he's is where he's been most top. of the time. I mean, he had a, he had a couple years where he was quite good and, but every, everything else he's been in the middle of the pack and, and to, you know, that's going to keep you, that's going to keep you a job because even if you get ousted from a team that wants to upgrade, you're going to go to one of the lower pack teams, you know, and, um, so it'll be interesting to see how this, how this plays out or if, you know, there, he's going to get to a point and I don't know if this is the point right now, but he's going to get to a point where there's going to be a younger quarterback that somebody wants somebody like Kirk Cousins to mentor yeah. for a year, uh, or even a year and a half or whatever at some point as well. So it'll, there's going to be some, it's going to be interesting to see though. Like I said, it's. I, and like you said, it depends on who the coach ends up being. They could end up with a coach that wants to give him one more go, and then he could have two more years in Minnesota. I mean, I know that, you know, everybody's, you know, po- fans are kind of polarized, but I, but he seems to be appreciated more by Minnesota fans than he did by Washington fans. Yeah. Um, so it's, it will, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly some some teams out there that would be have an immediate upgrade and like. Like I, I saw a quote today from the Colts general manager and they are not pleased with Carson Wentz and he was very uncommittable, uncommittal with his future with the team. So, I mean, if you get Carson, if you get uh, uh, Kirk Cousins in the Indianapolis, they're probably a, a playoff team. They just missed it this year. Um, maybe somewhere like uh, obviously Ben Roethlisberger's retiring, maybe in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know what his contract situation's like uh, Cousins. So, so who knows Matt Ryan, he's got to be on the way out in Atlanta. Carolina is a total mess at quarterback. Um, you know, right. I mean, even golf didn't do as well as people thought in Detroit. I mean, not that I know. I mean, I don't think anybody here, thought but... would be amazing, but he's, I think, I think he's sort of like, all right, we got him under contract. He's our stopgap till we can get a young guy, a kid in the draft. So I right. think yeah, they're not, they're not spending money on a, on a yeah. veteran at this I think, point. I think golf will be around for, for the 2022 season. And then hopefully if the draft class pans out as it should, they'll get a quarterback in the next draft after this one. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to pick one at number two, um, but if they could, if they could get an impact player at number two, and then get a, you know, a, they could probably, probably get a solid quarterback at the beginning of the second round. Yeah, they should go defense, in my opinion, at, at number two. They should, uh, depending on who's around, but they should go defense or maybe offensive line if you want to solidify that. But there's right that that'd be the one. Some I feel like it should be somebody on the line, one or whether either side of the linebacker. line. I think Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon is 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 a really good player, and he he could be a really good linebacker in Detroit. Um, but again. We'll see. We'll see who the Jags go with at number one. Right. We don't know all of who's going pro yet, um, except we know all of Michigan's team seems to be going pro. Yeah. Yeah. But David Jabo and Aiden Hutchinson, the they'll both be right. I don't know. Right. They're both their corners did too, I think. And yeah. uh, Um, So yeah, there's there's a lot of missions going in. Jim Harbaugh might go to the NFL allegedly. Um, Who knows? Who knows? We hear this every year, so it's hard for me to. Well, it seems to gain. It's gained more traction this year. but I just saw today that Michigan hired Notre Dame's defensive line coach to have the same job over at Michigan. So if he's hiring staff members, I don't think he's going anywhere. Right. Um, but again, coaching's weird. College football coaches are, are in my experience, they're, a lot of them are not great uh, uh, communicators or, or not very transparent in what they're doing, even when they're making deals with, with people who are going to be on their staff and then they can just leave the next day. So we'll right. See. 
Um, but I, I, if you're making moves like that in, in the, the middle of January, I, I got to imagine you're staying put, but I could For be wrong. Sure. Yeah. We've both been wrong before. Yeah. <laughs> so. so I, I did, I will say, I did say Georgia's winning the going to win the national title since like July. And I was right. Yep. There. Wow. And see, now these are the things that make you an expert. Now I've been saying Jim Cotton's going to make the hall of fame for 20 years. I finally got that. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got that one in there too. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take this as a year of our, you know, of, of feeling like experts so yeah. far. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we've got plenty more to talk about next week. Uh, we'll have more basketball rivalries um, to talk about. Grand Valley's playing Ferris tonight as of this recording. Um, we've got more high school good games coming up. Soccer Talk Fenville play next week. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on. We have the D3 Swimming Invitational, which is always a big meet this weekend. Um, and then the Holland Wrestling match to honor, uh, well, it's the Tim Horn Invitational, but they're also honoring the late Steve Kreidoff, who was coached for a long time there too, on uh, Saturday. So uh, lots of things, lots of things going on, lots more things that we can kind of break down for you guys next week. So oh, have a safe one other thing. Shout out to uh, West Iowa's Owen Foster, the first non-basketball player to win Athlete of the Week this year. So, Oh, on our poll, that's right. Remember to vote for our Athlete of the Week. Um, yeah, who knows now what's going to happen. Now the floodgates could be open and it could be all kinds of non-basketball stuff, but you never know. I think Kobe Haglin might have this one locked up. He scored 21 in their loss yesterday. We'll see what he does the rest of the week, but Kobe Haglin had a really good game. He scored like half the points for West Iowa. Um, so... We'll see. We'll see. That's the fun of this poll. You never know what you're going to get. So yeah, it's all it's all up to the people too. So it's not really based on performance. It's inherently it's more of a popularity contest. So if if you want uh, if you want somebody to win, that's a choice. You can kind of make it happen through sheer will. That's right. That's right. So vote on HollandCentral.com uh, every week. We have the poll up usually from uh, you know Sunday to Wednesday morning uh, until Wednesday about noon. It's usually when we pull that down. So. Um, Get, you know, make sure that you're voting week to week, following your teams and your best players. And, you know, that's a good way to get some recognition for some, uh, some, for some kids. So uh, get out and watch some sports and then vote on it. Have a good week and we'll see you next week.